we welcome you all to another episode of Analytics Week Leadership Podcast. Today we have with us Juan Goricho, who's a, a VP and Chief Data Analytics Officer at uh, Partner Federal Credit Union. Uh, to uh, so a quick bio. So um, Juan is, uh, as I said, Chief Data and Analytics Officer at Partner Federal Credit Union. In this role, Juan uh, leads the data and analytics strategy development and execution of for partners one of the top credit unions in the country, exclusively serving more than 100,000 cast members of the Walt Disney Company. Juan is, has more than 15 years of experience in the data and analytics space, including multiple uh, speaking engagements. In his prior role with Disney, Juan uh, led multiple multi-million dollar projects to implement business intelligence, analytic solutions, for key lines of businesses such as labor operations and merchandise. One has an industrial engineering degree from University uh, Universidad de Los Andes in Bogota, Colombia, and an MBA from Darden Graduate School of Business uh, at the University of Virginia. One is married and lived with his wife, two children in Orlando, Florida, United States. So amazing place to be raising your kids, by the way. <laughs> my, my, my daughter would, would kill, kill for this. Uh, this amazing place. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so uh, I think uh, thank you so much uh, for stepping up and 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 joining us, sort of our community of um, uh, in this podcast. And one thing that fascinated me about uh, about your your background, I think one thing I mentioned that you have, you're also a founding member of International Society of Chief Data Officers. So I think one thing that fascinated me was Credit Union and Chief Analytics Officer. So typically these do somehow I think it's 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 a it's maybe it's my own taboo that they don't go together very well. Like <laughs> one is a very conservative industry and sort of one is very forward looking and futuristic, and then sort of hopefully um, Walt Disney maybe have sort of surfaced it up. Okay, now there's some other backing that is actually uh, keeping you on 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 the rolls there. So love to love to hear from you your background. So I, I briefly touched, but I'm sure there's a lot more um, to dig on that. Love to have your perspective on that. That's good. So thank you for having me. It's uh, really nice to be here, and uh, I, I hope you know we can make this a useful session to share my experience. So yes, basically I, I've been working with data all my career. You know, since I finished uh, my undergrad degree at uh, in Bogota, I've been playing with data, always in that space between business and data teams and IT teams, right? Like how talking to you know finding ways to use data for business value and delivering data solutions. Uh, so to me, the move into this space uh, as has grown up significantly over the last few years particularly you know, in, the, in the advanced analytics and data space, was a natural move. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the role at, at, at Partners was created uh, when I joined about two years ago, uh, basically because the, both my, the CEO and the board of directors realized that uh, you know, we, there's plenty of data. There's this whole noise and, and, and momentum going on about data and big data and all these things. So, so the question is, like, what can we do about it? And, and to your point, I think there's a, there, there's a link also from uh, from Disney, in that you know, a big chunk of our board board of directors are actually Disney executives who are seeing what Disney is doing on the business side and say, come here and say, hey, you know, Disney is doing these things. Why can't we do the same thing? So you're right. I mean, for the credit union industry, I think we're very progressive in that sense. Uh, I have not met another uh, you know chief data officer from another credit union. There are sort of heads of data, managers of data, VPs of data. But a chief data officer that reports directly to the CEO and, and is a peer to the old C-level executives, I, I haven't come across any. Um, so, so we are pretty progressive, and some of the things we're doing are pretty out there, uh, advanced, and uh, in, in, the, in the data space. So it's really exciting because when I joined, basically, it was a blank slate. Right? It was uh, mm. how do we, you know, we want to become a data-driven company. What does that mean, and how do we do that? Right. So it's been a journey of almost two years in terms of building a roadmap, building a strategy, getting the right resources in place, getting the right capabilities in place, and then start start executing. Uh, on that roadmap. So it's been a, a fun journey and something that has allowed me to sort of leverage my past experiences into getting, uh, getting to put them to use in, in basically, again, how do we, how can we use data? How can we monetize data and get, and, and get at least value from the data perspective? Interesting. Um, so what is, what is the International Society of Chief Data Officer? So basically, yeah, the International Society of Chief Data Officers is something that came out of uh, MIT. Um, Professor Richard Yang, uh, Wang actually created it uh, started last year. Uh, and basically, you know, he has been leading a lot of research in the data management space for, with a lot of focus on data quality and data management. Uh, but I think with all the momentum going on around, you know, chief data officers, right, and, and how they are 
you know, growing ever more in companies. You know, Gardner, est Gardner estimates that by 2020, 50% of the Fortune 100 companies will have achieved data officer. So right. all that momentum going on basically led Richard and a few colleagues in, at MIT and uh, other universities to say, hey, we should probably bring those together. So we came together and created this society about, uh, it's about 200 of us founding members. Um, and we actually have met uh, virtually a couple of times, but we also met uh, uh, personally or in presence back in July at the uh, uh, annual MIT data symposium, which basically we all came together to say, you know, like, the, the right. whole point is how, how can we collaborate in this space? How do you define what a chief data officer does and is, right? How do you, if you don't have one, how do you make the case for one? You know, what are some best practices? What are some things we can learn from each other? And it's been extremely interesting. I mean, for the most part, the people I've met has been, have been going through similar journeys and, and it's been really just to just share sort of pain points, learning experiences, you know, how do you get things done and how do you justify such a, such a move? So it's, it's really, really interesting and, and getting momentum. Um, the first uh, sort of curriculum was uh, kicked off uh, in July and basically now there's uh, coursework and educational coursework at the University of Arkansas Little Rock in which basically there's a specialized program on training for chief data officers. Uh, both, uh, so there's two programs that have been, uh, both I believe are sold out, one in September, one, September, one this past September, and one coming in February, they're both sold out, and it's basically a curriculum developed to how to provide the fundamentals of uh, what a chief data officer needs to uh, become a successful chief data officer. So uh, th that, that's the main purpose, I and mean, we're still forming and storming, uh, a lot of good people coming together, a lot of good ideas to basically improve the space and make things better. Interesting. Well, I think definitely fascinating. And and how could one join this? Um, basically, you know, um, if you are a head of data in an organization, I mean, there's uh, the website is iscdo.org. Um, you can apply for membership uh, and and you know, basically join them. So you don't have to have the title necessarily, the chief data officer title. I mean, you could be a lead of data, head of data in an organization. Um, and, and but it's it's very it's very basic. It's very easy to join. And again, the main point is: Are you willing to come and collaborate and and, and share your experiences and learn from each other. That's the main purpose, to share and collaborate. I think, thank you so much for sharing that. So now I think, um, now let's get uh, to the to the meaty stuff, uh, Credit Union and Chief Data Officer. Like how, how these two things go together? Well, I think, I think you know, it, it's, it's, as I mentioned at the beginning, right? I mean, companies are realizing every day more the value they have in, in data, the potential they have, they have with the data. So I think what they're trying to do is, is how do, how do, how do we realize? I think, some companies, um, I think Partners is a little bit of that example. Partners started going on the path of data and analytics, for what I call from the bottom up. They initially hired a, um, a group that did BI, business intelligence basically, and a lot of uh, transactional reporting. Um, and that group was put under finance, which was good to get momentum going, but eventually um, what, what Partners wanted to do was to, how can we do more faster? How can we, you know, take our data and start sort of packaging it to, for larger impact. So that's when they realized that they needed more of a C-level position um, to, to, to do that. So the, what, what the C-level position has brought, I think, is has elevated the conversation, right? The conversation about data has become, has moved away from, give me this report, the report, so what is our data strategy? What is our data management strategy? How do we take care of the data? How do we integrate the data? How do we leverage the data, right? Those are the key three pillars that I've been focused on. It also allows me to, have you know very frank and open conversation with my peers, the other C-level executives. To this is what you should be thinking about, and this is how we should partner to get data work done. So it's been, as I, said, as I mentioned at the beginning, very interesting journey. Uh, we have had a lot of successes, a lot of you know pain points as well, but uh, uh, a lot of to do with the maturity curve of the organization. How do we really make it? Our ultimate goal is to become a data-driven company, right? And that can have many definitions. Uh, but basically, what we're trying to get to is to get there. And I think my role at that level has been a key. So um, a key sort of uh, uh, driving force for that. I uh, I report directly to the CEO. I'm a peer to right. all the other right. executives. So that's you know about uh, according to Gartner, there are about like 30% of the CDOs report to the CEO directly. So it's not that common, but it's coming more common it's because companies are realizing that in order to get the right value out of what they need to do, they need to, the position needs to be at the right level, right? And, and either under IT or the CEO sometimes doesn't have the right. Level of, level of influence. So um, there are there is a, there, there is some um, a lot of movement in the analytics space in, in credit unions. There's actually there's actually a credit unions analytics conference that was put together by First Tech Credit Union out of uh, Palo Alto. It takes place in uh, will take place in March of next year in Seattle. Um, and it's basically the point of that is bringing together you know leaders of data in different credit unions. Uh, and I think as, as it's happening as in many other industries, right? Uh, 
companies right. are realizing they have a lot of data and they, they want they want to leverage it, right? And, and basically the question is how do you get going and how do you, how do you make it happen? I think uh, you're raising an interesting point and, and definitely uh, kudos to you and, and your team that you, you are sort of very forward-looking because uh, I think we got we get into a lot of um, conversations with, with a few of credit unions which are local here in Boston and in New York as well. And I think one of the one of the consistent rant that sort of um, I hear about is how is management not being very responsive uh, when it comes to sort of they're always quenched with budget. They're always quenched with sort of they have sort of uh, keeping the lights on uh, budget and then sort of these is exploratory budget and which is like minuscule and they would rather spend that on marketing than sort of getting uh, them sort of brushed on this center of excellence or uh, having a data driven culture or whatever. So what are some of the hacks that that um, that you see uh, or, or you have uh, you have seen working, or what are some of the cultural shifts that if someone is listening from the credit union space, that they can they can sort of pursue to to basically hack this and and hopefully create this data driven culture within their company. I think the, it, it, there's a couple of things, right? I think that the most important thing is to show value quickly, right? There, there's mm -hmm. something that a uh, the chief data officer of, um, of uh, a bank in San Francisco, I don't recall the name but uh, of the bank, but he, he, I like the way he said it in, in the, he said like, momentum forward should trump the uh, trajectory, right? You should, yeah, a lot, a lot of times companies focus on having the perfect trajectory, the perfect vision, the perfect data, right? Let me take three years to build the perfect data warehouse, which means you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars to build the infrastructure, and then eventually it'll get going. And my point is, you know, companies have the tools, the process, the technology to get going. So the, the basic things start, right? And, and I think, so how you start how you get going is the second thing that makes a difference in that um, many times BI and data efforts are, get frustrated because people are not having the right level conversation. What I mean by that mm -hmm. is data teams need to elevate themselves and become business partners, so solution value creation partners that can talk to the other lines of business, say, and focus on, <clears throat> on building solutions for them to Deliver to deliver value. Many times, you know, teams, data teams are very transactional in nature. Very, like, what I call an order taking team. That you go to them and say, "Give me this data set," and we'll give you the data set back, but with mm -hmm. no context of what you're trying to accomplish, what are your goals you're trying, and how do we how do we create business value? So, um, elevating the conversation and uh, basically um, gaining momentum forward are sort of the two main things. Companies many times they think that, that getting to the data space is basically buying technology. It's about right. investing in Hadoop or uh, BI tools or, uh, or or in analytical tools, uh, the thing is about you know hiring data scientists and then go and hire you know PhDs that have no clue what to do with. It, it is it is a lot of common sense and it is a lot of answering the right questions. They have plenty of data. Companies have plenty of data they have not exploited. So a lot of the times companies lose focus by trying to bring more data, or larger data, this whole data, this whole big data kind of shiny object that people are trying to pursue. Well, there's plenty of data that they could leverage internally. One of our most successful projects is something that we did basically integrating three data sources that were ready, readily available, that were relatively clean. In two months or less, we actually built a very small data mart, and we have leveraged that data mart for decision makings from you know placing branches to closing branches to updating branches. Uh, but again, bringing three simple data sets together and just having the right questions, being, being able to answer about that. So. Um, it, a lot of it depends on what kind of conversation you're having and are you having the right conversation at the right level with the right people um, and are you showing value, right? Because you mentioned mm -hmm. it, right? A lot of companies will focus on this is just too expensive, this is adding to the cost. Right. Um, but so, so, so you also need to shift the conversation to the value creation. How do you capture the value? How, you, how, how do you put value statements? And how do you make sure that you're measuring and communicating the value that, that you're creating, right? And I think here's where it becomes interesting because on one hand, Data integration and, and data analytics in terms of descriptive analytics and showing what's happening with the business in the past, it's important, but it's not what drives value. What, what drives value, in my opinion, is basically what can you do with the data looking forward? You know, can I target more customers? Can I target better customers? Can I predict attrition and reduce attrition? Can I gain market share, right? So those are the solutions that you need to get in place to, that will have direct impact to your bottom line, but, but you need to do them in a way that capture the value, that have the right data, and here's another thing that is important in that data teams can only execute if they have a business partner in the business who's executing the data solution, right? Interesting, what yeah. What I mean by that is I can have the perfect data set, I can have the perfect algorithm, but if nobody's doing anything with that data set and that algorithm, then those are useless, right? I think a lot of companies focus on 
you know, hiring algorithms or buying algorithms or hiring data science to build algorithms or buying data or, in, but what are you do, using that for, right? So right. I threw a lot at, at you there, but I think the main, the, main, the main thing is, you know, again, elevate the conversation, have the right questions and know what question, what business problems are you solving? You don't need to solve them all. You need to solve them in, in, the, in their entirety. Get started, there's a lot of low hanging fruit. The second thing is is basically make sure that you're implementing end-to-end -end solutions, right? With business partners that can execute on your solutions, right? Those are that's a, the, the second thing that is extremely important. And the third one is just start, right? Just get right. going. There's a lot of low-hanging fruit. Uh, that momentum translates into more support, and that momentum will actually bring more resources to get the right things done. Interesting, uh, and, and and thank you so much. I think you are raising some good points, showing quick values, and delivering on that, and sort of. Um, uh, uh, have a goal in mind uh, when you work. I think these are like very good solutions, and I think it's it's across the board. It it should be followed. So uh, I do appreciate you sharing that. So now now, now let's, let's talk about uh, partners federal trade unions. Like what's the in so is, is this group came out of Walt Disney or or sort of uh, it was a separate group before and and Walt Disney sort of uh, acquired them. Like how 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 is the structure linked to to Walt Disney? If, if I may ask that. Sure, absolutely. So, so um, Partners was founded more than almost 50 years ago, um, and it's basically a credit union organization that is an, it's a non-profit organization, but exclusively serves the Walt Disney Company employees. So mm -hmm. the only way you can, and we are essentially, so we are a full retail financial service institution. So mm -hmm. we offer everything from mortgages, personal loans, credit cards, car loans, savings accounts, checking accounts, uh, uh, HELOCs, HELOs, anything that you find at a regular bank, you know, wealth management, we offer those services. So. But the only way, the caveat is that the only way you can open an account with us is if you are an active employee yeah. of the Walt Disney Company or a family member of an active employee of the Walt Disney Company. Um, so so that's, our, that's our link to Disney. We are legally an independent entity, but we are sort of part of the Walt Disney Company umbrella. And we all, you know, I'm, a, I'm an employee of the Walt Disney Company, so there's, there's a strong link. Um, we also, one of our biggest advantages is, besides our brand, our very strong brand that we can link to Disney, is the fact that we have um, what we call uh, a very strong banking at work program. So we have branches mm. behind what we call backstage, so, you know, the parks, you know, the office buildings near to Disney. Uh, so that makes it banking very convenient for, for, a lot, for a lot of our, the Walt Disney Company employees. We have about uh, one and a half billion dollars in assets. We serve mm. about, uh, actively have around about 140,000 uh, customers, uh, of which about 37% are currently active employees of the Walt Disney Company. So. That means that 37% of the our customers are active employees of Walt Disney Company. So there's plenty of room for us to grow. Um, nice. And our heavy and our, our biggest presence in markets are you know, Orlando because of the uh, right. parks and resorts operation, Anaheim because that's where you have Disneyland and a lot of big parks and resorts operation, and then Burbank where you have basically the, the corporates out of Disney and a lot of the studio mm. employees. But we serve employees uh, of the Walt Disney Company all over the U.S. I mean, the, the Walt Disney Company has more than 150,000 employees in the in the U.S. Uh, and we have presence, you know, we have basically customers all over the, all, all over the country, um, particularly recently as we have invested heavily in our mobile and online banking capabilities, that has allowed, you know, employees of the Walt Disney Company to remain members even though they have moved out of Disney and have moved to ours and we don't have branches or physical presence. So, um, Interesting. a very close link. Uh, one of our missions is to, you know, our main, our mission basically is to make all financial dreams come true and, and that means for all the employees of the Walt Disney Company uh, and all our members. So we, we, we make it an effort to have a strong link to our Disney heritage, right? And we, we, are, we are part of Disney, and we feel part of Disney, and we work very closely to make sure that that happens the, the, the right way, and we respect that and do it the right way. Interesting. So I think, uh, um, and, and thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I think one thing that why I asked this was, Disney, we know it's very progressive when it comes to using data and sort of making, like, whatever, getting the experience uh, to where it is, they are best in the customer experience space. They're doing a lot of fun stuff. They they know their data pretty much, and they know sort of how to how to use that to their advantage. So now uh, I think where I was getting uh, with that with that question was so uh, does that spill over to to partner FCU or or like or, or suppose if you build some kind of capabilities like do you have a capability share with say say Disney or or like whatever? So do is there any sharing going on? Uh, we have, uh, uh, there, there is to an extent, I mean, we, we, we have our own data sets and because of our legal entity, our, our, our legal nature as a financial institution, we have to have our data, our data and data centers and data mm -hmm. capabilities clearly separated. Uh, but within Disney, there's actually a lot of cross-collaboration between analytics teams. Right. There's, there's, 
the Walt Disney Company is, an, is it's a conglomerate of you know, hundreds of different independent companies, right? And, and so as you can imagine, there's analytical teams all over the place, right? And one of the things, really good things that Disney does is they put together a uh, annual data conference uh, right. in September of every year. Right. The website is DisneyDataConference.com. And basically what that does is brings um, a lot of the analytical teams from Disney together to share best practices. Uh, and the conference is actually open to the public, right? So they, Disney teams come, but also anyone who wants to come. And it's two days, a lot of fun. Uh, so, so within this, there's a lot of cross-collaboration in terms of sharing experiences and sharing uh, uh, knowledge. So, for example, there we have at least three or four roundtables in Orlando in which, you know, every month we come together and people present different topics. And so more than the actual solutions, we share best practice. Like, you know, how, some teams were sharing, for example, how to do better segmentation or better pricing strategies or different, and then we, we learn from that. Um, how to apply SaaS, which is one of the main analytical tools we use, both at Partners at Disney, to different different to different to solve different business problems. So there is some heavy that heavy degree of collaboration uh, uh, between teams within the Walt Disney Company, also with, and, and also with Disney as well. Yeah, that's that's one of the good things that uh, Disney is a very open culture about sharing and about uh, making sure that we all uh, are in a better place. Well, I think the, uh, uh, so. Thank you so much for sharing that, and and that, that's really helpful to connect the dots and see uh, how, how the information flow is flowing. Uh, I think one one also one more thing that I that I got really excited about uh, reading your profile was uh, mention of data and analytics uh, in your title together, right? So typically we we hear about chief data officer or chief analytics officer and and what what not. Although like there's a very sort of uh, uh, very kind of phasey uh, line between data and, and and analytics, but sort of you are sort of so it it, it kind of gives. Um, the straight sort of line, hey, you may be or may not be having both of them. So to you, what is your perception of uh, a data officer versus an um, analytics officer? Like, what do you think these guys are and, and what are the demarcations or whatever? Yeah, or maybe it's just a... Yeah, no, I think, I think it's very interesting, right? I think, uh, and um, it just happened that the role was created with that, with both uh, sort of functions in my title, mm -hmm. chief data and analytics officer. Um, one, you know, they... If you if you go, uh, this is one of the challenges we were sort of addressing at the uh, International Society of Chief Data Officers, right? Like, what does it mean, and what's the interaction between the CDO and the CAO, and what are the different functions? I think in general, right, and and, and what, I, what I've seen recently happening is that the Chief Data Officer is sort of the more all-encompassing function that it takes in takes into account, you know, you know, managing the data, bring the data together, and exploiting the data. And I think the, the unexploited data or monetizing data is where you have more the, maybe more of the scope of the chief analytics officer, which is the teams that are actually building analytical solutions, right? But at the end of the day, one cannot be functional without the other, right? Like, hmm. um, you know, you could have very great, you know, analytics, but if you don't have solid data and data management practices, your analytics are going to be useful. Um, or useless, I mean. Um, so, so that relationship is a, is a very strong one that needs to be maintained and be, needs to be watched for. And I think, uh, in in my case, I, again, I cannot disconnect from from the other, right? So, right. Um, to me, I joke that I, to me, having both in my title was a preemptive move, so that nobody can actually <laughs> they, can, they can never hire a chief analytics officer or a chief data officer. So I, I own both. Um, but what I see usually, and this this is uh, there was some research, some really interesting research that Gardner put out together uh, a month ago. Uh, to their, in, in, at their Gardner Symposium here in Orlando, Mario, Mario Faria, who is one of the leading analysts in chief data officer space, he basically put out uh, a survey that was done through hundreds of chief data officers. And what, what, we, what we see happening is usually this chief analytics officer either reporting to the chief data officer or being part of the chief data officer function. So uh, there was a trend at some point in time saying, well, the, eventually the chief analytics officer is the one who's going to take over and um, you know, it, it all depends on how it works. It depends on the culture of the company, right? If you can have the single function, because it's a company that is lends itself to be much more centralized, it will happen. Uh, in a lot of companies, you have the data function being centralized and the analytics operations being completely decentralized. So it all depends right. on the context of the company and how the companies are are, are working. I think uh, um, in our context, what we're trying to build is a very strong capabilities, but also enabled through self-service, right? So, um, so we I do have I own all the data management. Uh, Meaning, you know, from bringing the data together, cleaning up the data, all the data, data infrastructure management, right? But I also have a team that is doing all the advanced analytics, right, and all the insight generation. But at the same time, I'm building or deputizing and empowering people in the line of business to be self-sufficient and work with me uh, as they as they become, as they come across new opportunities to be again to be able to be self-sufficient. So 
uh, I don't know, it's a blurry line, right? It, right it's right. a very blurry line, uh, and, it, and it all depends on the organizational design, the maturity of the company, right? Some companies have come up first with chief analytics officer and then the chief data officer. Um, but I think it, it will, we'll see some, some um, you know, convergence in this space, I think, in that eventually it will be one or the other. And, and um, if you have the data but you're not exploiting it, uh, okay, creating value through analytics, then you're not doing anything. And then, and if you have the analytics without good data, then eventually your analytics are going to fail. So there's a mutual dependency there that will force these functions to be tightly integrated. That's that's my take, and that's sort of what we're trying to build here and how we're trying to approach it. Interesting. And uh, now let's let's talk about leadership a bit, right? So, like, how to get them on board? Because I think this is again uh, um, one of the one of the cultural thing. And and you 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 did sort of present some good arguments on hey, we should have. Uh, 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 quick wins. We should sort of uh, find find the clear goals and whatever, right? But uh, many times, uh, and this is one of the, one of the one of the I would say top five uh, cries or outcries that we hear about from from people that we talk to is hey, my boss is not not very favorable, or whatever, right? So how to how to sort of get them on board this? Hey, that they they could be a future way sort of they can have a lot more insights if they sort of give them some more leeway or freeway. So they can experiment and then do all this fun stuff. Like, what are some of your hacks or suggestions that you think people should do? I think it comes down to um, there's there's three work streams that I, that we've been focusing on. One is agility, right? The ability to to uh, very quickly answer business questions, right? Mm. Um, that that's one key element. I think the second key element is that. Uh, data organizations need to be closely connected to the business to know what those business questions are, right? What are the relevant business questions, the pressing business questions, and how can we quickly answer them, right? Uh, that goes to the agility piece. Um, and, and I think uh, there's a third element, which is education, right? So one of the things that uh, we are actually, we, did, we do here is on a weekly basis, my team publishes uh, articles that we basically summarize from, uh, you know, we, we are constantly watching, you know, Harvard Business Review, Sloan Management right. Review, right. you know, right. uh, McKinsey Quarterly, right? And when we come across, you know, good articles that right. very succinctly and very in, in very simple business terms sort of highlight the impact of data and analytics and how companies are doing that, we actually take those, summarize them, uh, put them together, present it to the executive team. Um, both with a summary, but also with a, what does this mean to us as partners, right? So, so the constant messages about hey, there's some things happening out there, uh, combined with you know showing quick value, combined with show, answering the right questions, right, uh, is something that will will it builds momentum constantly. Um, and I think there's also uh, a for, sort of what, what what we call sort of like a follow-up element to all this. In that, what I mean by that is. We can put business solutions out there, but if we are not constantly following up with the business to understand how are they using it, are they so do not kind of like a product management function that constantly is monitoring mm. how are the data products being used, who's using it, what are some improvements, what is the next generation, right? Constantly focus on, on on sort of upgrading them. Um, that that ha has had a lot of value in our experience, right? In the sense that we stay connected to the business and we as we know their use cases, we can improve our, our data solutions. So. To me, all these four things that I talked about have to be moving in parallel, right? right. And what has been very interesting is that um, we actually came across uh, recently in our strategic planning. Uh, we, were, we were working for a strategic planning session a few months ago, a few weeks ago, um, and without me saying it, you know, after almost two years of being here, all my peers uh, agreed that data-driven decision making had to be one of our core pillars in our strategy. Nice, nice. Uh, so, so, so. That's sort of part of that guerrilla warfare of constantly showing the values, showing the messages, you know, making the right decisions, make it, make it very simple, very ugly, right? Um, and, and, and that sounds easy, but that translates into how do you actually build the right data structure, have the right tools, have the right technology, right? So, so examples of that is we've had uh, meetings with the CEO, for example, in which we are talking about some analysis we just presented using our analytics. Um, and then he says, you know, in the past when he had a follow-up question, right, it, what, it, what would happen was what I call uh, analog drill-down, right? Like, you know, I have a question, then like two weeks later you come with the answer to that question, right? Uh, with the capabilities we have, because we know the data, we have brought it together, it's clean, and we have tools, we're able to answer those follow-up questions within hours, right? And, and that has right. also very quick turnaround uh, to be able to be on the spot, timely, and answering the right question. So um, it is, it is. It is a lot about change management too, right? You have to keep on driving the fact that the organization is changing, right? 
and you need and you, and, and it will continue to change. So you need to keep on focusing on on data management and and keeping that keeping that 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 value proposition up front and out there, so that people understand exactly what's going on while you're bringing. So it, consistency, clarity of messages, education, agility, quick value. All those things need to be happening constantly, so you stay up front and, and make sure that people understand what's going on. I think uh, beautifully said, uh, and, and thank you again uh, for sharing that. Now, now let's talk about um, your your pers- like your role, uh, the depth and the breadth of the decision making that you do uh, in, in in your current role. So, if you can sort of shed some light on, like, what are some of the some of the like decisions that that or sort of you are involved in. Uh, from whatever you can share about like depth and the width, width of uh, what what do you help with? You mean like business, business decisions that we make or uh, yeah? So, so yeah, so that that that's really interesting because actually my team has become now a it's becoming every time more an advisor during yeah. the making process, right? Usually in the past was either before or after the fact decisions we would either come, you know before it was like just give me the data we'll do the analysis, right? That was what the business teams would do. Or after the fact, like, hey, we made a decision, we might print, but now we are actively consulted before and during the decision-making process, right? And what that means is that, but also it's because, what, because I, I sit in the executive committee, right? And because I am part of the executive management team, right? So I can, mm-hmm. I know where the issues are going. I can be, and I'm, I am closely connected to the, to the business decisions that are being made on a, on a constant basis. So I can actually uh, proactively recommend, you know, what are some decisions that we could actually leverage through data and with and answer with data and that allows me to be very very embedded very much embedded in the decision making process right that also but that's at my level right but that also can happen at different levels and should happen at different levels in the organizations right and, 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 and so what I keep telling my team is um, you guys need to be constantly connected with the business teams you know, understanding what's mm-hmm. happening you know what what what, what are some things that are going out there how do we stay connected to the reality? How do we know what the you know, pressing business questions are? How do we make sure that we are out there answering those questions and, and, and supporting the and enabling the business, right? Um, and and so that is interesting because it does require a change in mindset in the way data teams operate, right? My team right. was very much used to get requests via email for like a report development and send it back, right? Now I'm forcing them to be out there with the business teams, right? Like spend some time sitting with the team, understand the business questions. When you, when you are sitting with them, don't let the business team tell you what to do. Focus on working with them on understanding what they are trying to accomplish, right? And and, right. and if you understand what they're trying to accomplish, then we will be able to build the right better data solutions and, and support the better decisions. So, the key thing here is how do you get integrated with the business, right? How do you stay connected with the business? And 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 so people ask me, is, is your team a, an IT team? Is your team a business team? I said, right. I, I have to choose a more of a business team that uses technology to enable decision making, right? Um, and that so that that's how we think about it. I, mean, I think that 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 uh, hope that makes sense. Yeah. Right. So um, uh, that 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 does uh, definitely. So I think one thing that um, that again uh, one of the things that that we hear a lot is um, collaboration with the IT, uh, whatever, right? So many times getting a data is a nightmare, uh, getting data to a shape where you analyze is a nightmare. Many times, um, so if you have a hypothesis, so things are simpler, but if you don't have one and you just want to figure out what the hell this question is, then that's, and then, then, and then collaborating with IT, like uh, that's another sort of uh, roadblock or whatever, uh, or nightmare. So any thoughts or any, any suggestions in that, in that, in that arena? Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't emphasize more that you have to have a strong and, and transparent and very open relationship with the CIO in the organization. That relationship with IT, and it starts at, at my level, but it, but it also has to be forced throughout my organization at all different levels, right? And, and because, again, to your point, I think the last thing you want to be perceived that is, oh, this is another shadow IT organization that is working in the dark, that is not sharing, that is doing things on their own. And that, that shouldn't be the case in terms of how... how uh, companies get things done, how data teams get things done. So from the beginning, you know, I've, I've, when, when I built my roadmap, I sat down with the head of IT, basically, I said, hey, this is my roadmap, and this is what I see. This is my business roadmap. This is the, the technology implications of my business roadmap. But I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm not going to make any kind of technology decisions without you, CIO, involved in, in my roadmap and support. I make sure that whatever I'm doing, actually, is aligned with the architecture, with the uh, the technology principles, with how we consume technology, with the standards that we use, and that's extremely important because, to right. your point, that can make or break your 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 fit. So, 
there's, there's going to be an understanding that data teams also have some level of technical capabilities they need, right? So, the, so there are differences. We're not a normal business user. We, have, we require, you know, from bigger laptops and bigger machines to more advanced rides to better tools, right? And we, but, but the, on the other hand, there's some, some self-responsibility we have to sort of follow ourselves. And we do that, right? I, I tell my team, like, you know, whatever, that, whatever field that should be a um, IT decision, let's make an IT decision, let's partner with them. So we have been working extensively with my, my IT team here in terms of, you know, showing the roadmap, showing where we're going, showing what we need, right? Uh, and that we partner on getting the right things done. Uh, but also leaving clear that I am accountable and I am responsible to man for managing all the aspects of data in the organization. So that means that I have need access to all the data, right? I, and I'll, I'll do so responsibly, right? I, I, that means that um, I, I dictate some of the data policies that need to be executed or even data architecture policies that need to be put in place within projects. So um, it, it's a journey too, right? And it, it all right. depends on the type of CIO that you have in a company, right? But I think for the most part, what, what I hear is, um, a lot of CIOs are actually catching up. In that survey that I mentioned from Gardner and from Mario Faria, right. uh, a few years ago, uh, the CIO relationship was probably one of the sort of biggest obstacles that the chief data officers faced. Now it's changed significantly because I think CIOs are also realizing that this, the chief data officer can become a huge ally in, right. driving value, in driving value and showing value out of the data and technology investments. So yes, but I mean, I think to your point, there's, if I can emphasize something, you know, be joint at the hip with the CIO, right? And be transparent. And uh, what, I, what I tell my team is like, I don't want him to be in the IT business, right? I don't want mm -hmm. my team having to run servers and patch servers and run backups and content. We should, we, data teams should not be in the business, right? The more we can partner, the more we can actually leverage the IT capabilities to then focus on where the business value truly is, which is on the insights, on the storytelling, on being proactive, on the analytical solutions. So yeah, I mean, that, that definitely is a key thing is that CIO relationship definitely something extremely important. Agreed. I think uh, beautiful points. I think I, I love uh, that, that you are being very transparent with your team. I think that's something that it's a constant um, battle even sort of when we talk to people that this is something that they're all sort of struggling with somehow because sometimes they don't have the complete visibility. Sometimes they're not sure what to... And, and it's like wrapping up, uh, wrapping out too much when you don't even know what's, what's inside or something. But I think uh, I, I totally I totally uh, uh, appreciate you for uh, I think that's one of the, one of the key key factors uh, I totally agree on that. So uh, I think now let's talk about some of, some of the challenges uh, that you face uh, in, in in your in your routine job. Because I think from 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 your from the session so far, everything looks looks like amazing. It's, 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 it's actually looks like a like a trip to Disney. But I, but it's like. It's like, it's like so wait, wait, what's 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 going on inside? Like what if you pull the rug off? What's what's going on? Like what are some of the challenges that you face um, in in in, uh, in your current role? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're totally right. This sounds like a like a perfect pixie dust story, right? Like, and there's lots of challenges. I think that the biggest one is the how do you realize um, what I call the value realization, right? And sort of um, at the end of the day, you know, data teams are competing for shared resources. I'm a shared resource, mm -hmm. right? So I'm, 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 found, I'm funded by resources that were taken right. away from different teams and put together. So I have to show the value, right? And I have to, um, and I think so the, the, key, the key thing there is, is how, do you, how do you really actually capture the value and measure the value, right? Um, and, and, you know, I think I'm lucky that we have a really smart CFO who she's extremely supportive of our work. But she's constantly focused on asking me, like, you know, how do we prove the value? How do we show the value? Because, again, we're investing heavily in this, in this function. So how do you show the value, right? I think that, that um, goes back to the point that I mentioned a, a, few, a few times during the conversation is, you know, have a strategy to constantly measure and advertise your value, right? That you are mm -hmm. actually capturing the value. So initially, for example, we started with some really basic measures of value. Um, and and some, some of those measures were, for example, uh, efficiency achieved through uh, better use of labor. What I mean by that is we had people that were actually building reports manually um, and, and they were spending a lot of time pulling data to build reports. So we took those processes, we automated them, and then we saved somewhere north of 4,000 man hours a year, right? So that's almost two FTEs that we saved with just few simple things, right? But yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a low value measure because, again, it's, it's an efficiency measure but it doesn't bring hard dollars. I mean, there's no extra revenue, less right. cost because of that. So the next level of measures are, you know, constantly then, you know, um, you know, how do you actually measure the impact that the business is having? So in that regard, for example, my roadmap has in, in it the goal to implement 
three analytical solutions, you know, about focus on attrition, focus on cross-selling and recommendation mm -hmm. engines, and uh, focus on uh, risk mitigation and risk models, right? So the cool thing about that is that those models and those solutions, you can actually attribute value much more easily because you can have a hypothesis, like current attrition rate is X percent, right? If I implement this and reduce attrition by two points, I extend the life value of the customer, which actually should bring this extra revenue, and then you can actually track that and measure over time. So, so that's definitely the, 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 the constant reminder of value that you're doing is something that is one of the biggest sort of things you need to do to address the challenge of that constant question that is like, what is the value that you're bringing, right? What is what you're doing, right? Um, there's also another other set of strategies that we employ. Uh, for example, when I came on board, uh, I think uh, uh, overall what the question I was getting is like, you know, what is what is your roadmap of technology going to cost us? You know, how many mm, millions yeah. of dollars you know, need to buy in, you know, in appliances and software? I said, well, nowadays with the access to cloud computing, like that's a very there are, there are ways in which I can I can acquire the technology I need at a very low cost, and I can match my va the value I'm creating to my cost equation, right? So I don't have to invest significantly in hardware to then eventually catch up with the value. I can actually start investing over time slowly and, and scale up as I, as I and to, to right. us, partners is, you know, we, we are a small organization, a small banking organization. So mm. the, the, the smart use of capital is extremely important. And to, for me, that meant let, let's actually work on using the cloud. And, and we actually are, uh, have heavy presence now in Amazon Web Services and, and my analytical uh, solutions are being moved to Amazon Web Services as a way of, you know, finding ways to, to use volume efficiently. So, Again, the, the, the biggest challenge, so, okay, going back to your original question, biggest mm -hmm. challenge, show the value. But the second right. challenge is uh, sort of adoption and, and changing the organization, change management, right? Um, I think I'm lucky that in many cases, my peers, instead of asking the question about, like, you know, should we do this or should we do analytics, they're more asking, like, how fast can we do it? Which is a great uh, thing, something we can do. But in many cases, that isn't as easy, right? And many, because what you're doing at the end of the day, it's basically shifting people from God-based decision making, from you know, to, to actually data-driven decision making, and that that's a challenge, right? And that's what you need to address, and you need to help people to understand they can trust the models, they can trust the data, they can trust the way things are being built and being done, um, and and so that adoption piece is one that is extremely important. That's why I keep going back to, you know, it's better to develop quick solutions that work end to end, that are that allow the organization to be become more mature in the data space. And then iterate constantly on that, so that you can increase the value of the solution and make and and and, and get more complex. Or that, like a, an example that I love that we've been talking about here with my team recently, is our cross sell engine. Right, we didn't have a, a cross sell engine or kind of any kind of next next best offer or recommendation engine. Nothing. Right, it was all basically completely judgment judgment based by the people who interact with the members. So. Um, we actually put a very basic, very, very very basic model in place that is doing some really basic recommendations, but so it took us about, let's say, one to two weeks to build the model, get the data and build the model. It took us seven to eight weeks to train the call center on how to use the output of the model, how to you know, use the CRM system to record the, the, the offers. So to me, that's a nice example in that is not the data or the complexity of the algorithm, is the whole implementation and tool that I need to take into account and make sure. And it also is the maturity organization, is the, were the agents ready to understand why do I need to use, what are the benefits of using a cross-sell engine to make recommendations to the customers, right? That requires a lot of change management, that requires a lot of education, a lot of hand-holding. It requires to actually talk to the managers of the call center team, say, this is why we're doing this, this is actually how you can make, we can, how we can, we can make it better and faster for you to achieve your goals and, 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 and all those things. So again, a lot of change management, which yeah. is another of the, you know, that, that can kill your, 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 your analytics programs, right? In my experience, from what I've observed in the industries, in, in some from other companies, many companies tend to focus way too much on one of the elements. Or let's right. get into big data, or let's get into let's buy Hadoop and build the data lake, right? Or mm. let's actually hire a team of data scientists, and something magically will happen with those two elements, and it doesn't happen, right? Because again, there's no adoption, there's no focus on the adoption piece that is the what ultimately drives the value. So this all, I mean, as I started saying. Value measurement and value realization is one of the key challenges. How do you do that constantly? End-to-end -end solution implementation, focus on adoption, is what will eventually keep on driving value, and that's how this whole thing is connected. Interesting. Uh, again, good points there. So I think one thing, uh, and we're almost at the tail end, and, and, and thank you so much. I'm taking more than I expected to do, but, but I, I'm having so much ball. So I just, why don't I just exploit the situation a bit more? So uh, I think one uh, thing that, that we heard about uh, as well as 
build versus buy like since it's a it's it's, it's a very and i think you you briefly touched um, in in your initial uh, intro as well that uh, so how do you like what are some of some of those decision factors that helps you understand because i think right now market is so lucrative for almost you can you can build almost everything you just can think of but then more often than not, not the better choices sometimes and sometimes you're better off buying it like what are some of some of your yeah. uh, thoughts on that yeah overall i think my my uh, my philosophy in that space is that is one of uh, the, the the marketplace has evolved significantly over the last few years right and i think um uh what, what what i'm building here is i have a team of highly talented uh individuals right or a team of uh, with high talent right that they actually they can they, they are the ones who can who can work with the business understand the business needs and architect the, the solutions right and there's plenty of companies that actually can uh, work with you to execute um, what I call more of the commodity functions, right? So uh, we're actually working uh, with a consulting company to my, my data science team actually here architected a solution uh, for attrition, right? So we know how to measure attrition. We did a very quick pilot to understand does it work. And, and now that we understand the blueprint, now we're taking that and giving it to this company for them to execute very quickly and build very quickly for us. That allows my team to focus on the next project. and so. Create some more capacity in parallelism. So I think it's a it's a hybrid um, mm. approach. I think uh, the more the smaller the company, the more flexible model it needs to be able to grow based on demand and decrease the size of the team based on demand, right? So right. Uh, I'm, 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 I, and as I said, the marketplace has evolved significantly in technology, as I mentioned before, right? The 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 partners being our size, you know, to think about that we could have had access to. Things like Amazon's web services, Amazon Web Services machine learning capabilities, a few years ago would have been unthinkable, right? In terms of the amount of hardware that you need to purchase and, and software to, to gain those capabilities, now it's there. Now we just spin off an instance, you know, run our machine learning algorithms and shut it down, and we just pay you know, a right. few hundred bucks for that time, and we got the capabilities of, of a very large organization. So the marketplace has so so those are no longer barriers. Technology is no longer a barrier. I think the people is no longer a barrier. I think the biggest barrier continues to be uh, in this sort of, you know, how, you know, what is the, what are you doing with your data solutions, right? Um, right. And it goes back to a point where, like, you have to be strategic about what to, what to build and to, what to buy, right? I think mm. eventually what, what I'm building here is very strong business capabilities, very strong understanding of the business, very strong relationship with the business. Anything else that is not as core, that is not as strategic, that, right. that is more of a commodity level, I will buy that from the market and execute from the market, right? And, and and uh, my team is not relative, my, my team is not too big. You know, I have about eight to ten, you know, people, and but uh, with contractors about probably fifteen at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't foresee it bigger, bigger than that. But I, I don't want a larger team. I think we can be right. highly and highly productive with a team of this size that we can increase the capacity of production by having these different partnerships that uh, we can leverage for for uh, increasing our, our efficiency. Well, yeah, I, I think even like uh, with 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 analytics week, right? So we did. A survey a while back on uh, team satisfaction vis-a-vis -vis the team size and and we realized that our team of between um, I think four to seven folks tend to have most satisfaction about the outcome that they deliver on and the the, the bigger the team uh, they sort of yeah it, it, it just gets haywire from there and and you somehow you can you can predict like why and all that right uh, so so but but even like um, from the stats point of view it was very evident that our uh, yeah. You need to have a very lean team that can deliver some fascinating outcomes. So beautiful. Exactly. So exactly. Um, I think one of the last questions, and, and, and I, I won't take you much of your time, and thank you so much again for being very generous with your time there. So um, uh, let's talk about the up-and-coming um, data analytics leaders, right? So if I, if I would say, like, what are, what are the three things that these guys should worry about or, or they should be prepping themselves or the futuristic leaders uh, or data-driven leaders, what are some of the, like three things you would suggest that, that these guys should know? Yeah, I think I think the it, it, that's an interesting question. I think in general, if you are going to become a leader in the data space, like in a role like mine, like a head of data or a chief data officer, um, there's you know a lot of my time I spend talking to my peers, doing change mm -hmm. management, building relationships. Right? Um, you know, it's not about. Uh, uh, Developing code or, or knowing the algorithms or what these or equations are, right? Those are things that are important. But I think the the biggest thing for as a as a data leader, right, is to to eventually you, you 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 I cannot execute and I cannot realize the value of analytics directly. I have to rely mm -hmm. on my partners 
the chief marketing officer, the chief operations officer, uh, the chief you know customer services officer, right? So that they are the, those are the ones who actually execute and realize the value that needs to be realized, right? So relationship building is extremely important. Um, the ability to learn and understand the business, right? You need to be there. You need to understand exactly what the pressing things are. So that notion of um, you know, how connected are you to the business? Do you understand what the business goals are? Do you understand what the business objectives are? Do you have a, a full view into the big picture of what's going on and how to get things done? That's extremely important too from a, from a, from a leadership capability perspective, right? Um, and then also then the ability to basically assemble high-performing teams, right? And assemble, mm. you know, again, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert in data science. I mean, I, I, I know enough to be dangerous, right? But I need to know, you know, what questions to ask for my data science team, right? And when they show me some of the work we do, is okay. This sounds great, but you no, know, what's what's the value we're trying to accomplish? You know, how do we measure the accuracy? How do we measure that? How do we test for validity? How do we? You need to know which are the right questions to ask, right? Um, right. And, and and similarly with technology, right? I mean, so so you have business, you have data science, and you have technology. Those are the, sort of the three uh, areas of, uh, of of data management that are extremely important, right? Uh, are you up to speed in technology? Do you know how the land landscape looks like? You know what's the right level of technology, right? How do what do we invest in? Which is you know what? How do you, can you express your needs to your CIO in a way that makes sense that you link them to your vision, right? Right. That is just buying technology for the sake of buying technology. So I think again, you know, I, I touched on, on on sort of people leadership, right? Uh, business knowledge, right? There's the data science side of things, and there's sort of the technology side of things. I mean, those are the three main things that that you should focus on and 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 be sure that. Uh, you can you can speak to them, right? And but if I have to choose one, definitely relationship, leadership, right. you know, build building bridges. That's what, that to me at the end of the day is what makes it or break it, right? Uh, um, is it, 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 yeah, that that's definitely what what makes a difference. No, I think um, and 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 couldn't have been said any better. So uh, so I do appreciate you uh, sharing your thoughts, and I think it was very informative, and and I, I had a ball. Uh, and I think uh, definitely um, love to love to chat chat up chat with you sometime later and sort of see where the journey leads uh, from there. And um, thank you so much for your time and and truly appreciate that. No, thank you, Vishal. I had I, I had I had a great time too. Appreciate it. You know, I hope this was useful. And thank you for having me. I was homesick, never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick. I'm so uncomfortable, don't know anybody here. Just a couple dudes that I met once, that's it. Then I go into the booth feeling nervous. Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless. Is the mic on? I don't know how to work this. Inside I'm breaking down, I hope I'm not up on a certain